Good evening and welcome to the From Soy to Tea podcast. Uh, we've not done a podcast in a very long time, but uh, I think it's befitting that we're going to do one now uh, after Dundee's promotion to Scottish Premiership. I'm much deserved all the same after a fantastic two-legged victory over Kilmarnock last night and also Thursday evening, which followed on from a, a good two-legged victory over the Rovers in the semi-final. We're here tonight with DTV commentator Ethan Hampton, who also runs... The Dens Park Choir uh, Twitter page. So Ethan, how are we tonight? You well? Over the moon. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, on the season, it's, um, it's been a it's been a season of swings and turnabouts for Dun for Dundee because I remember there's been specific times where James McPake's been under tremendous pressure at Dundee with regards to results. But fair play to James because he's turned it around. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's not. It's not been easy when you're when you when you're back when you're backing this guy, and every time you're on social media, there's just a lot of toxicity from from some of the fans. You know, your your armchair managers that think they constantly know better. Um, you know, too much negativity to deal with. And yeah, like to his credit, as you say, he's, he's turned a lot of things around. The pressure was on him at some points. There were some some pretty pretty low points. I mean, you think. Even back to his first season, well, albeit that it was halted due to the the pandemic, he the, the aim was to get up. He, he wanted to be challenging for the title, and the neighbourhood rivals are are running away with with the league with a massive point gap, uh, suffering heavy defeats against them as well. A heavy defeat at the start of this season against Hearts. So, in a way, you could argue it's a blessing in disguise because I think he'd be the first one to tell you that he's learned from these defeats, that everyone's learned from these defeats. I think Charlie Adam came on record as to, as to saying that that 6-2 defeat at Tynecastle actually somewhat spurred them on to make sure they got over the finishing line and securing promotion. So, yeah, definitely credit needs to go both ways. For, for Well, multiple ways. The board, for the, for a start, for trusting their gut and following the decision through of, of backing the manager. The manager for managing to steer the helm in the, the right direction and fix things when, the, when they were at their low points. And obviously the, the players that ultimately did their job at the end of the day. Yeah, I alluded to the fact about the, the board back in James McPake and I noticed a tweet today, I don't know, I can't remember who it was from, but it was pretty much with regards to Jim McIntyre and his tenure there because it had been very easy for the board back then to be back in Jim McIntyre, but the, the board at the time uh, looked at the pro- progress that Jim was making, which was very little, and decided to go for James McPake, and it proved to be a very beneficial decision for everybody connected with to the club in the end. Yeah, you know, when, when James was first given the manager's job, a lot of fans had mixed reactions. There were some people that were absolutely buzzing for him and others that thought that Dundee were going for the cheap option as a result of the relegation. I don't think it was that at all. I think, you know, they took their time before appointing the manager. So they went through the process of interviewing multiple candidates, and he's obviously proved to be the the most attractive option to them. I think they've they've always got the club's interests at heart first and foremost. And that's why ultimately James was picked. I think his vision for the club matched with the direction they were wanting wanting to take the club as well. So uh yeah, no, not a single manager can sit there and say they haven't been backed from uh, from these American owners. Not not a single manager can say that they've not had everything they could have asked for at their at their disposal. They've been backed uh, some of the philosophies didn't work. Some of the philosophies came close. Some of them were, were totally far off. But ultimately, it's it's ending this one path. And yeah, James James McPake's clearly got a plan thought out thoroughly. And like I said, he's, he's executed it. He's executed it brilliantly. If you said to me after that 6-2 thumping at Tynecastle, take promotion right now, even if it's through the playoffs, I'd bite your hand off. I wouldn't care how we get up as long as we get up. Do you think after games against, I'll give you a few examples, Bonnie Reg Rose and Morton and, and Queen of the South, did you think you ever think this day was going to happen this season? I'm I'm quite optimistic, so yeah. I, I did have this feeling it was only a matter of time. I, I never really got on the the bandwagon some other fans got on with with pushing against the manager. My my feeling was I could see progress and I could I could trust the process you know sometimes you're going to get bad results you know hardly 
who who goes a season unbeaten? I know I say ironic that the champions of Scotland right now went a season unbeaten, but going a season unbeaten is held in high regards because it really happens. And I don't think anyone was expecting that kind of season from Dundee anyway. We, we know we do it the hard way in typical Dundee fashion. But ultimately, you know, like I said, in every season you're going to have bad results. It's it's inevitable. It's just about how you react to them. And I think if you look at all these all these low points as well, you, you see Bonnie Rig Rose, that was difficult, but they still managed to to get the win. So that that wasn't too disheartening. It was just just a bit of a close scare. But when it comes when you're right, when it comes to that draw away to Morton, or if it's a heavy defeat to Hearts, or a heavy defeat to Air United, if you look at the team every single time, they've bounced back, and they, you know they've bounced back. Probably through, yeah, I would probably point the manager first because that's that's ultimately your leader. That's the guy in charge. He's managed to get a reaction to ensure that the the first game afterwards they look to make amends. So I, I never really felt uncomfortable, to be, in, to be honest with you. There was a point where it didn't look so great in the league table. But, that, but in saying that, I can remember at the point Dundee still had games in hand. So that was the way I, I just kept looking at it. And yeah, level on games with everyone. And we finished second place, so yeah, it was tight. But with the way that the team were playing, and with what I've seen, and especially in that that squad of players, which in my opinion is a very good squad of players, I was I was never I was never really that worried. There's been some great performances from Dundee this season, not including the the playoff games because Rafe Rovers have come out respectively, but we've also had performances such as Rafe Rovers at home, Queda South away, uh, Hearts at home at the beginning of the year, which were fantastic performances, which led to some great results for Dundee. Yeah, well, it comes it comes down to that group of players. Like I said, it's a it's a team that was built on the on the premise of to be consistent enough to get out of this division and to then compete in the top flight. I think it's a very good core of players, a very good, um, yeah, a very good core of players that provides stability. It's it's definitely the core of players you could build your team around in the long term. And I think that is part of McPake's vision at the club. I think if you look at Dundee's record with previous managers, it's always been about squad overhauls, getting a new manager, getting their own group of players in. And that's why Dundee have never really had any form of stability in the top flight. It was always... A roller coaster. The managers that did identify this issue, looking back on it, were guys like Jockey Scott and Barry Smith that tried to settle in a, a core group of players, but then ultimately they weren't around long enough to see it through. So it ends up in another squad overall. Um, so yeah, with with the recruitment done to such a with the recruitment done to such a, a good degree, I don't think. I don't think my grammar makes sense there, but you know, I think you know what I'm trying to say. With the recruitment done to the way it's been done with, with this group of players, I think it was inevitable that you again you're gonna get quality performances. It was just more about making sure there was the consistent results because it's it's very you know, from a Dundee fan perspective, it's a very Dundee-esque thing to go into a game, dominate it for 90 minutes, create chances not be clinical, not take your chances and concede a cheap goal, which has happened this season as well. Like, you know, we've had great performances, but we've also had really cheap uh, points dropped. Uh, and yeah, I've, I was actually having a conversation today if I was putting the playoffs aside of what's the best performance of the season. And I, had, I did have a bit of a headache trying to figure it out. And I think ultimately I'd, I'd probably settle on uh, the 3-1 victory against Hearts. Yeah. On the recruitment side of things, I feel McPake's got a spot on this year because, as you've alluded to, he's not overhauled the squad, he's not mm-hmm. uh, replaced it, the whole squad. He's taken players periodically. Um, Jason Cummings came in during the January transfer window. Paul McMillan came mm-hmm. in during the transfer, January transfer window, beg your pardon. You also had the players like Charlie Adam who came in at the start of the season, alongside other, other players that came in. So it's just a case of bedding the players in at the correct times. Yeah, you know, it's, it's quite funny because I can remember watching, um, I can't remember if it was a podcast or a video, but it was this guy explaining the, the success of Derek McInnes. And one of the things he talked about was how uh, when McInnes won the League Cup with Aberdeen, it was a team that he, he built up quietly before having that season where they looked like they could have done something in the league. It wasn't massive signings all at once. It was, like you said, periodically, gradually building up to that. 
And in Dundee's case, with McPake at the helm, it's, it's been somewhat short term. I mean, it's only two seasons in, but yeah, the recruitment has been been very good. Uh, the criteria I'm, I'm very happy with, because again, it's guys with a, a good degree of experience in the in very good quality leagues. You know, it's not just the championship and the premiership. There's been some boys with good experience down south as well. Uh, Charlie Adam obviously was the, was the blockbuster signing in the summer. Like That was the one that kind of blew everyone away. And Dundee fans have been waiting on that for years to come. You know, he plays in that Sproni testimonial, says he loves it. Dundee fans thinking he's going to sign every transfer window afterwards. Um, so, yeah, totally welcome signing. And Yeah, they came at the right time. At the point where the January window comes in, we already had Adam Legsdens and go. We signed him, I think, in the autumn. We had a trial with Liam Fontaine. But because Jack Hamlin hit his stride of form, Legsdens never really gotten about the team. So round about when Jason Cummings and Paul McMullen arrive, coincidentally seems to be the point where Legsdens gets a break in the team. And it was just a matter of completing the puzzle. The puzzle just seemed complete. Everything was just going so fluidly. And suddenly the results were all, were all shining through. I've said before uh, on the microphone during my commentary, uh, I said it in fact on Thursday night in the first leg of the playoff final, that in the Dundee team, there's 11 players that have won the Scottish Championship, 12 medals between them, because Liam Fontaine won it twice. I think it's 11 that won the Scottish Championship, or it was or it was 11 that were promoted, because you have Sean Byrne that won the playoffs with Livingston. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, and Charlie Adam obviously won promotion at uh, Blackpool as well um, many years ago. So yeah, no, the, the recruitment, like I said, I've, I've never looked at a signing that we've made and felt really pessimistic. If if it was something that I wasn't familiar with, I was excited to see how it would go. Uh, I mean, I mean, on that note, I think if you analysed all of his signings as well, the only ones you could really say that didn't really work out were the were some of the, the young loanees he signed in regards to guys like Josh McPeak where it didn't work out the way we liked it to cancel early. Sean Mackey cancelled early from injury. I think those are the only kind of exceptions you can you can make for ones that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of, I mentioned the Pierre, Pierre Adderquay thing now because there was a, a spell in February and March where you'd look at Dundee and go, this is a side worth a premiership football, but then if you look at this Dundee side after, I'd probably say the Inverness Cali Fizzle game when they drew 2-2, showed a, a good sense of character that night to, to come away with a 2-2 draw that spent the sending off that took place. It showed how, how things were getting turned around. What does McPake have to do now, do you feel, uh, for premiership football you extend? Because... He's going to remain loyal to his squad, but do you think he needs uh, additions? I think in every transfer window, you you need some additions made just to strengthen the squad. But like I said, the majority of the players there are are really good players that I do feel are, are can more than make their cut in the Premiership. I think you'll see a couple, not a lot, two or three departures, two or three signings, and that, that's really it. I think it'll be a bit more tame now. Because like I said, I think the idea is to build around the, the core group of players in that team and try to commit some of them into the long term. I think, to me anyway, that, that seems to be the way to go. I mean, every every week watching Dundee for the past couple of weeks, they seem to get better with every game, really hitting their stride. And it was a similar pattern last season as well, before the, the pandemic. Dundee went on like a six or seven unbeaten run. Uh and it looked promising. Fans were finally thinking, all right, here we go. We're finally switched on this season. We're in our stride. Everything stops. This time, we get to keep going all the way and we get to see promotion success in the playoffs. And I mean, if you look at the, the record against Premiership clubs as well, in the in the cup matches, on paper, the results aren't so great. But performance-wise, we've given every side a game, like specifically Aberdeen and St. Johnston, both those games, Dundee can come out there and say that they were robbed, you know, do- dominating these two really good premiership sides and somehow not coming out with the victory by the end of the game. Again, big, big sucker punches, but it shows that there is this potential to, as John Nelm said, to, to play around against the big boys and, and show show what the metal what metal's in the side. I need to go on the Sean Byron and Jordan McGee Appreciation Society here because <laughs> I actually spoke to McPake after the game on Thursday night and 
I mentioned Charlie and Jordan to, to, to James, but I miss, I miss, uh, I didn't uh, speak to him about Sean Pyron, which I apologised to him about how f- them three players are instrumental to the way Dundee play. Yeah, no, like for real, that, that midfield three, it's just so satisfying to watch. The dynamic works so perfectly. Like with Sean Burns sitting back, and I'm surprised there's still quite a number of Dundee fans that don't seem to appreciate exactly what job Sean Burns does. But having him sit behind, do all the, the dirty work, never never losing the ball, winning back possession, McGee to be box to box, and Adam to be your, your creative spark, you know, just oozing quality every time he's on the ball. It just works so well together. And I t- tell you what, though, as well, even, even with these three... In the 4-3-3, when that was temporarily abandoned to go for a 4-4-2, those guys were kept out the team from the form of Paul McGowan and Max Anderson, who again this season have have both been uh, terrific. You know, Max Anderson being box-to-box, similar to McGee, getting getting some goals uh, under his belt. And Paul McGowan, again, you see that he's such an important player that he's kept in the side no matter what what formations change. He'll he'll happily switch position because he's just so versatile. And I, I never saw that coming. I never would have, if you told me start of the season, Paul McGowan would play all these games on the wing, I'd, I'd slap you in the face. You know? I, would, I would never have seen that coming at all. Uh, but he, he looked so so silky there against Kilmarnock. Every touch, you, you know, it's probably just the experience weighing in. So, yeah, I, w- I would definitely say the midfield in Dundee is, is certainly the strongest area uh, in terms of depth. And like I said, that's why I'm so confident for going into next season because I've seen what these guys can do and I'm fully confident that they are all, they are in their own right premiership players. I've said as well that my, my only worry with, with Dundee is should Dundee fail to get promoted, that these are players that could be getting cherry-picked from premiership clubs because they are, you know, that they're too, they're too good for the Scottish Championship, at least in, in my opinion. You touched on Max Anderson there and... Because of the form of Byron, McGee and Adam, Max Anderson hasn't had a, a look-in, apart from a few substitute appearances. And Max Anderson has had a great season, in my opinion. Yeah. I think he's won, he's won Dundee's Young Player of the Year award, and deservedly so. He look, he's so mature for his age. I was so delighted for him. I think, if you listen back to my commentary, um, I'm trying to think of what game it was. He scored his first goal. Inverness. It was Inverness. 2-1 two, two, victory at home. Uh, yeah, that's right. Dundee beat Inverness, and I was on the mic. I mean, I, I don't know this guy. I'm just, I'm just a fan watching a guy slightly older than me. I think he's older than me by like a week, a week or two weeks. All right, okay. <laughs> he scores, scores the goal, and I'm just so uh, filled with joy to see that the go ahead. Uh, I, I did the exact same thing earlier in the season. We played Cove Rangers in the League Cup, and he scored a goal, but the offside flag went up, and it was the same draw of emotion I'm pretty sure the line I used was the exact same as well because I'd just been preparing it for so long because I knew it was coming and again like like the team every week he looks like he's getting better he's the kind of midfielder that McPake went on record as saying you don't really make them like that anymore you're box to box goal scorers and it's definitely something Dundee have lacked in recent years the, generally the, the last midfielder I can remember like that was Mark O'Hara um and before that, you'd probably have to go as far back as, as Gavin Ray. It genuinely it's been it's something that Dundee been crying out for. In the same way that Sean Byrne and Charlie Adam have filled gaps that Dundee been crying out for for years as well. Um the, the players I would probably compare them to, the likes of your Gary Harkins and, and Jim McAllister, which brought these very specific elements to the side that were never properly replaced until now. Two players that I don't feel get enough recognition from Dundee fans is Christy Elliott and Jordan Marshall, who I feel have have had a good season. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say anything that would go be deemed controversial. I don't think it's too controversial to say, but I reckon if, if Jordan Marshall avoids his two injuries, the, the, the one this season that kept him up for a little bit and the one at the end of last season, I think he's he's your player of the year winner. He's incredibly consistent. Eight out of ten every week, like at minimum. I think I think he's been such a fantastic signing for Dundee on the left. He does the, everything defensive. He's solid and going forward, just bombing forward. He's, he provides that extra uh, extra dimension of of attacking quality. Yeah, no, 
like for me, he's he's right up there. I totally agree with you. Definitely underappreciated from the from the dense part of faithful. Uh, Christy Elliott came in with uh, I want to I say optimism fans are really excited with this one not, not excited to the degree of being necessarily a blockbuster signing but you know there was so much talk about this guy's athleticism his first few games he looks absolutely brilliant I mean Cammy Kerr is an excellent right back as well so the fact he was managing to keep him out of the team as well for as long as he did probably speaks for itself um, and that I mean that game against Kilmarnock before he had to go off from injury was his best game in a dark blue shirt yet so the emotions are still high from that and yet just nothing nothing for praise for these guys uh, Christy Elliott as well is a guy with a good degree of experience like the rest of them in both divisions so it'll be interesting to see if you know when we're up if he's in the team if he can be more reminiscent to his days at Partick Thistle because I, I could be wrong in saying this, but I think he's he's somewhat of a cult hero figure over there. Okay, uh, yeah. In terms of next season, the Premiership now, but before we, we do go into Premiership, we need to speak about the playoffs because Thursday night, I had a, a very good performance, great performance. And it was just a petty commander scored a goal when they did on Thursday. And then last night, yeah, we were at the game, obviously, because of the restrictions and commander fans are the only way. But once well, Lee Ashcroft put Dundee 2 0 up, it was a foregone conclusion that Dundee were going to be in the Premiership next season. Life as a Dundee fan, you're never confident. Even at 4 1 up, you're sitting here thinking, right, how are we going to mess this one up? <laughs> so I could never I can never really feel in cruise control until about midway in the second half, and then Lafferty scores, and that's put right back to bed. <laughs> I was always, always optimistic and positive that we would see this out. In the playoff finals specifically, yeah, you're right. That that goal in the first leg, I was so so annoyed that 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 happened. I mean, I watched it back, and it's just so jammy. The the way the ball falls to his feet after a great block, it misses it misses Kerr's head as well, like by less than an inch. And he's he's hit it perfectly. To be fair to him, like he probably does deserve praise in the sense of you know if he hits that too hard, he, it, the keeper saves it. If he hits it just a tad lighter than Liam Fontaine's clearing it before it gets in the back of the net. So it's actually, it's a perfectly weighed shot and he doesn't break out of his stride. Now he's a left back and he's showed the instinct there of a forward and he's, you know, he's, he's gambled. He didn't, he didn't hesitate. The ball broke to him in his stride and he saw it all the way through. There was, you know, I mean, you compare that to Paul McMullen's chance in the same game, the ball broke to him perfectly and he wasn't in a stride at all. He froze. He was hesitant. He, he was caught in two minds. He wasn't sure what to do. So I think you can't take anything away from him there because it's in his, in his right as well for a defender to score that. It's a great goal. Very frustrating though, from the from a Dundee perspective, obviously. And, and my feeling was, my feeling was, it's probably a blessing in disguise, um, because I said I don't I don't mind if we don't win the first leg, because I would like to go to Rugby Park and treat it like a cup final. You'll give it that kind of neutral feeling to it you know a neutral scoreline you're going away from home you know let's just go for it all out go for it but I'm not complaining going there with a, with a one goal lead as someone pointed out to me if Kilmarnock scored an equalising goal and then we scored late on to win the game we'd be absolutely buzzing so it's it's just a matter of looking at it from the times when the goals were scored so yeah, there's, there's plenty more worse frustrations we're going to have going into the second leg. You know, being frustrated that you're only a goal up is probably the best frustration you can have uh, for that kind of tie. And yeah, you're right. When when Ashcroft scored that goal, I think from a Kilmarnock perspective, I think they were probably thinking it was already already gone. I mean, I spoke to. I'm not going to repeat what he said, but I spoke to a, a guy, a representative from Kilmarnock, if they're confident uh, for Monday night, and he said a phrase to me quite graphic that I won't repeat it, but it's. It's safe to say that he wasn't in the slightest confident going into the second leg at all. Yeah. This promotion will mean a lot to Dundee fans, massively so and understandably so. But I feel it's going to be extra special for a certain Mr. Kami Kerr, especially after uh, what he's gone through and, uh, and the fact that he's a Dundee, he's Dundee born and bred, came through Reef Academy and uh, into the first team. And, and until a few years ago, he was captain of the club. Yeah, no, he's he lives and breathes Dundee. I think that's quite clear. Uh, I know people that have played with Kamif, um, even in the 
and the youth teams going through Dundee. And it's always the same same stuff you're told is like he's just so passionate about the team. Like even even at youth level, he's 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 foaming out the mouth when they're not winning. There's there's words being exchanged with tears in his eyes. Always wears his heart heart on his sleeve, and he deserves this. I mean, he's been here for for highs and lows. He's he missed out on a couple of highs as well because he he was loaned away the season we got in the top six. The the fan favourite derby, the, the Dune derby, he was actually in the stands for that because he was sitting not uh, not too far from me. He, he was injured for that game, so he, he wasn't really a part of that. He was back to being, being a fan, which I don't think he'd sorely regret too much. I think, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how he fully feels about it. I think, ultimately, though, he would prefer to be on the pitch. Then, from then on, it's just a matter of Dundee. We're just on this roller coaster of struggling to stay in the division eventually go down. He was a part of that, that relegate, relegated side. He played that day again. You can see it. Tears exchanged. His future was in doubt under Jim McIntyre too. So uh, no doubt that was a, a difficult period to go through for, uh, from both perspectives. For, for Kami, for one, as a fan, seeing the club go down and second, as a player with his future in doubt. So yeah, definitely it's a lot more wholesome and satisfying to see someone like him reap the rewards to his hard work. Like he's he's de- he definitely deserves it. You know, all, all the players deserve it. I'm not saying he deserves it any more than anyone else, but he he definitely needed that that boost, hundred percent for sure. Uh, yeah, I think Dun- Dundee fans take a lot of satisfaction in seeing one of their own as well being hurrahed in the air at full time at Rugby Park. That's going to be a picture I think that you'll probably have in the mantelpiece. Five hundred fans at Dens Park last Thursday. Me, myself and yourself were at the game. It was just fantastic to see fans and it was a great atmosphere at Dens Park last Thursday night. Um, it reminded me how much I missed it. You know, I actually got used to having no fans in, in the stadium. I, you know, to begin with, it was just so daunting seeing this this ground with all these empty seats and the only noise you're getting is the groundsman screaming at the referee from, from one of the stands. But yeah, I, I mean, I had my headset on so I can only pick up certain songs there's some songs I missed but I would occasionally just take take them off to listen to the atmosphere and you know the fans that did not shut up for 90 minutes so that was yeah it was awesome to see I mean my my view for Charlie Adams goal as well it was just so slick you know ball hits the back of the net it's a knee slide right in front of the fans they're all rushing down to celebrate alongside them and yeah no that was just that, that was just class top tier um and hopefully you know they're getting Full capacity, I think I saw earlier in the Euros. I'm not sure if that was Scotland specifically or Wembley, but you know, hopefully it's not a case of they let all these all these fans in for the Euros and then punish the punish the domestic football fans afterwards if there's some sort of outbreak. So fingers crossed that it's more than 500 that we can get back to normality next season. I think that would be that be a huge lift for everyone at every club, especially especially Dundee, because the fans will be so eager to. To welcome, to welcome these players after what they accomplished, and I think they'll think it's quite a shame that they didn't have the crowd there to, to celebrate with at full time at Rugby Park. You wanted to earlier in this podcast with regards to pushing Aberdeen and St Johnston close this season in the cup competitions, and and next season's going to be big, uh, and there's massive potential for Dundee next season with uh, teams teams getting rid of players, teams signing players. There's going to be a bit of an unknown. And of course, there's a bit of an unknown from across the road with Mickey Mellon leaving Dundee United. So there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of what a talk during the summer and then in the next season. It's, it's going to be an unknown quantity with regards to how Dundee's season will shape up next season. But it'll be exciting just to just to have Premiership football uh, at Dens Park again. Yeah, I've got to agree with you on that again because see, going into this season. I made some predictions that totally backfired. I thought in the Premiership it was going to be so much more competitive than it actually was. Again, looking back on it, I've seen Kilmarnock. I wasn't expecting them to to be struggling as much as they would. Uh, I wasn't expecting Motherwell to be off off the pace as much as they were. Uh, Livingston did ultimately manage to salvage the top six, but they had a very poor start to the season. And I remember sitting there thinking that all these teams last season looked great. They looked like they were just going to kick on, but there's just no no, no progress. They all just kind of hit, hit a rock, whether that's down to the pandemic. You know, I don't know. Don't know what... Uh, I don't know all the factors behind these things. So I think going into next season, there's definitely going to be that same feeling that 
you, you can't predict what's going to happen. I mean, I've, I've met some people that have made some bold predictions for next season already. I mean, you look at Aberdeen, specifically a team that's normally in the top three, top four. I was speaking to someone earlier who has their doubts that they'll have a good season next season based off how they've ended the, this season first and foremost and their personal opinion on the personnel they've brought in to replace McInnes. And I thought, you know, that's a fair point. Uh, I'm, I'm not making any bold predictions in that regard, but I can see where the, you know, they're coming from. Definitely, I think quality teams will dip and you'll get underdogs that will jump. It just, it's part and parcel in football. It's stuff you can't predict. And hopefully Dundee will be those underdogs that, that can thrive. I, I, I get a really positive feeling going back in the Premiership. I think that we, we generally could be not, not a thriving force from the get-go, but definitely a side that could compete comfortably and, and, you know, and, and stick around in the middle. I don't, I don't see Dundee being in the relegation dogfight anyway, like I'm probably going to be a bit, bit overconfident by saying that, but that's just my, my personal opinion. When I've, when I've, from what I've watched with the Scottish, Scottish Premiership this season, my feeling was if we were in that league, we'd be fairly comfortable. And, and just my opinion, I've seen enough in this Dundee team that gives me that boost of confidence. So yeah, no, it would be, be great to see them back, back in the Premiership. The, the relegation, it was a terrible season, but when, when it hit me exactly what happened, it, there was still this feeling of shock. This feeling of shock that, you know, after all those years of of hell in the first division, struggling to get back up, facing financial turmoil, and finally turning it all around, only to have such a short spell there, such, such, a, such a blow, you know, you, you kind of felt a bit sick thinking about all that progress pretty much coming to nothing. But now I look back on it and I think maybe that relegation in itself was a blessing in disguise. You know, perhaps we needed these changes in personnel. Some changes had to happen in the club to somewhat change the club DNA to get stuff on the right track. So like, like I'm still an optimist. I'm still really positive. And yeah, I've got nothing but good good feelings going into going into next season. And that's it's definitely too early to say. Definitely too early. Because I mean, we don't even know what other teams are going to look like next season. But that aside, I just feel that if Dundee go into the Premiership, again, into games like they did with Kilmarnock and Johnson and just play their stuff, I don't see any reason why Dundee can't, can't do well. Uh, the most important question we'll probably ask this evening is, is Paul McMahon going to go and score at turn of the season? <laughs> oh, I'd love that. I'd love that so much. <laughs> he, I, I hated him when he was at United. Like, I, I genuinely hated him. He was... You know how when you get those players at rival clubs that you just couldn't stand? Like he was, for me, he was one of them. And it wasn't so much that, because some fans hated him because he, he terrorised us. Mines was just so much more that, you know, he was that guy that if if someone else scores, he's running up to the fans, like you're patting the badge, you're, you're, you're badge kisser, the, get up you're to the fans and everything. And that's, what, that's what I couldn't stand. But now it's going to be that on the other side. I mean, you saw that he's technically still a Dungeon United player because he's only on loan. He has oh, yeah, the pre-contract, yeah. so he's, he's just as good as being a Dundee player. But it, it was pretty funny to think that technically he's, he's, a, he's still a Dungeon United player and yet he's leading the Derry Rumba chance <laughs> at Rugby Park celebrating at full time. So, yeah, no, that would be, well, be, be awesome. I mean, they've got their fair share over, over Dundee the past few years with, you know, your, I can't think of another word for them other than your, your Judas players, guys that switch allegiance from Dundee sides. Dundee have had a couple previously. I, I remember Scott Allen getting a very bad reception from United fans in, in the Derby a few years ago. Uh, Simon Murray, of course, went to Dundee. United fans weren't very happy with that, but there was never really a Derby to you know feel that tension in as we would have liked. So I think with McMullen, that just gives it a bit more spice and what already is a very a game with plenty of flavour. How big is the Derby going to be next year, especially after the, the pandemic with all the fans due to come back in? All good to plan. Yeah, well, if it's back to normal, then yeah, great. It's something that we're all used to, and that's what we want to see. We want to see massive atmospheres in games that you can market brilliantly for the, the Scottish game. And more importantly, Dundee trying to sort out their bragging rights. But my, you know, I, I, I generally have this little part inside of me that is quite curious just to see a derby closed doors. Now, 
don't think other fans would agree with me on that. They, wouldn't, they don't want to see that. They just kind of want to be there. They want to be in the ground. They want to be in the atmosphere. But this season, I was thinking, you know, I was wanting to get them in a cup game, surely to say, like, you know, oh, I was at a close, you know, a closed door Dundee Derby, one, one for the history books. I, I just kind of want to experience that and see what like and see if, see if all the energy from the Derby is surely transmitted from the fans or if there is or if that mentality generally is drilled into the players. I, I was curious to see uh, that in the flesh, but all, you know, that, that was just if it happened, if it was convenient, you know, if, if there was no fans in the stadium and the cup draw happened, that would have made it perfect. But no, we want, we want fans in next, next season. So yeah, just want, want the atmosphere back. Want to, cause it really, it gives, I think that's a selling point, I think for players for both sides. I think when you try to sign a player, from anywhere I mean Dundee isn't the most lucrative city in, in Scotland <laughs> you know so I think one of the selling points you do have for these players as well we've got a derby and the derby is up there with one of the best like on the island never mind Scotland like on, on this island so yeah <laughs> I remember I remember this Johnston game uh, in the Scottish Cup and that was obviously behind closed doors, but it was played at a good, a very good level. Yeah, it was, it's not the magnitude of the Dundee Derby as such, but it was played at a really good level. That's interesting. You. Yeah, that was. I think that was more of a clash of just two, two good sides more than anything. I mean, St Johnston have just went down and done the double, which, I mean, if you if you really think about that, that's phenomenal. That's a team with one of the smallest budgets in the Premiership, with a manager in his first season in management. I mean, you compare, you compare that budget, I talk about this budget, but I mean, you compare that to the likes of Celtic and Rangers who totally blow that budget away in comparison. I mean, Celtic's under-20s probably have a bigger budget than the St. Johnson first team. Mm. And yet, they've done something that I think Aberdeen are the only team in Scotland beforehand to have won the double outside the old firm. So I assume that must have been yeah. under Sir Alex Ferguson himself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which, that's great company to be in. So, yeah, that's it's a, it's a really good St. Johnson team. It's a St. Johnson team I've admired for quite a while. And again, when I talked earlier about St. John's, uh, James McPake trying to have this stability at Dundee, that's exactly what St. Johnson have done for all these years. It's when you, when you think of St. Johnston, you think of guys like David Wotherspoon, Michael O'Halloran, Murray Davidson, that have, and Xander Clark that have been there for a number of years, that have nestled into the club, that have been able to grow with the team each season and become so crucial to the dynamic of the squad. So that's that's a huge element in their success, definitely, for sure. Not a doubt in my mind anyway. So in that game, in terms of the entertainment, I think that's just down to a, a really good St. Johnson side against a really good Dundee side. Now, we can say that now. We can say it's a really good Dundee side because you know, they put the proof to the pudding in one promotion. Uh, but my feeling was this entire season that we're... Uh, we're, we are that team I, I use the word underdogs we're definitely underestimated and I don't think people should underestimate what this Dundee team could do in the top flight What does success mean to you Yixtam in, in terms of Dundee's season as a whole because as we alluded to earlier in this podcast there's going to be a lot of change at certain clubs um, Dundee United and Ross County in particular so what success for Dundee next season? I think John Nelms will tell you that Dundee want to be in the top six. That's definitely the club. The club's aim will be to be in the Premiership and compete. And as a fan, that's what you want to see as well. But on a personal note, for me, staying in the league first and foremost is the is the priority. I do think Dundee could push for a comfortable mid-table position. But ultimately, we need, you know, we need to learn a lesson that, you know, it's not the end of the world if you're not amongst the best. So, yeah, get... Getting in the league, mission accomplished. Staying in the division, getting a feel for the division, you know, really embedding yourself there, and then growing on that. I think is the is the priority. That's that's the way to go. If we do better, excellent, great. You know, if that's awesome. But uh, I'm only gonna be, I'm only gonna be heartbroken if if we're out, if we're out of the league next season. So. Yeah, it's just for me. It's just it's just to stay there, to stay there, and sh- you know, have a have a, a fairly comfortable ride. Make sure we're there at the end of next season. Yeah, but I, I reckon I reckon the club will want to push a little higher. 
because I mean, I think Dundee will have a bigger budget than a good, good couple of these teams anyway. So that that'll be what they'll they'll say. You know, the bigger budget should come, the the better finish. This is probably the best Dundee squad has been in a very long time. Yeah. In terms of strength and depth. In strength of depth, yeah. I mean the the best Dundee teams I've seen comes down to a number of individuals. I, I really admired the Paul Hartley side, which in my opinion, and I think even even the manager's opinion and players of the side, they felt really underachieved. I think it, Dundee finished like eighth this one season, Scottish Cup quarter final, and I think everyone was so disappointed to think that team could have done so much better with the likes of well, the front three scored 50 goals that season. You had Scott Bain in the goal who was uh, in and around the Scotland uh, Scotland call-ups on about that time. Kevin Thompson strolling the midfield. That That's probably the best Dundee team in terms of individual individuals I've seen. And I was I'm, I'm I was young at the time of the Defiant squad, but I can I can remember that togetherness and that's that's a team that's built its way into the club's legacy. So in terms of like of a, just a proper team, then I could probably agree with that. I, I really admired Neil McCann's first team as well. You know, in his first season that played some really lovely football, but always seemed to be missing one piece of the puzzle. But now I can see we've got a bit of bit of everything from those sides. And I, I made this point earlier with uh, my co-commentator. I've worked with some uh, multiple commenta- commentators at DTV. And uh, it was Craig Forsyth I was speaking to the other day. And I said to him, you know, James McPake has probably played in the, in the best team at Dundee post our administrations. And Dave Mackay, our assistant manager, has played for the best Dundee teams prior to the administrations. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I reckon what they do is, they, not, not entirely, but they'll definitely take that wealth of experience and knowledge from those great sides that are connected to the club and put that to use in practice when they're building their own squad. So, uh, yeah, I think it's probably fair to say it's the best Dundee team we've had in quite quite some time. Yeah, no, I, I could agree with that. On paper, still yet to be proven, but in terms of, of depth, I mean, well, yeah, you've got a Premier League, English Premier League midfielder in the middle of the park and a proven goal scorer at the front. And a defence at the back that started off shaky but have really found their feet. Yeah, it's definitely the best, at least in, in recent history. That's the thing. Uh, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of defenders in the in the Premiership, let alone the Championship, though, that will score goals. And if it had combined, I might be wrong, 12, 12 goals, I think, between Ashcroft and Fontaine, which is uh, which is very important. Oh yeah. Ashcroft just kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, Fontaine, his purple patch began when he first signed, so he instantly became a hero. Ashcroft, uh, I think his first goal was at Bonnie Rig, was against Bonnie Rig. So the first half of the season, we didn't really get to see much of the serial threat, so it's obviously something they worked on. Maybe it was more of a case of getting the delivery to him, because I think the majority of his goals have been from Paul McGowan's assists from the corner. Yeah. So... And again, it's, it's, it's something that Dundee that have just struggled in recent years as well. I mean, that seems to be, again, something that Pig's picked up on is stuff that Dundee have been struggling with, or it's the basics. We've never really been that good at attacking set pieces or defending set pieces. Now, this season we've seen, well, we were weak at first, defending set pieces, and now it's somewhat the pendulum swung the other way. Because I, I felt, again, against Kilmarnock, that Kyle Lafferty was going to be the, the man to look out for, that he would be the man uh, causing us all sorts of problems, but he was com- completely kept quiet totally nullified uh, from the potential of what his abilities are capable of. So, and again, that comes down to the defensive organisation and defensive ability that we've got from from the, the entire back line, not even just the centre-halves, the full-backs play their part too, of course. And yeah, no, I mean, Ashcroft, I can't think of a single single header and two legs that he didn't win. Just phenomenal in the air on both sides of the park. Don't think we've had a goal-scoring centre-half and. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Fair to say, quite a while. I can't. I can't think of anything from the top of my head. At yeah. least not so regularly. And uh, it's fair to say, Mister Jason Cummings celebrated uh, with uh, proportion last night. 
yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was some some belter of a uh, belter of posts online I saw, but I think that's you know that's down to him obviously and his personality. He, he'll admit that that he's sometimes maybe got a bit of a of a screw loose, but like he's 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 worked hard. He's been an important figure in in this campaign getting up. So yeah, just gonna go off on one and celebrate. I think. Yeah, people can say it's a screwless. I'll, I'll I'll go. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say as well that it just shows you how much it means to him as well. How much it means to to all these players to see their hard work pay off. Because like I said, there's been low points they've had to come back from. I think ever since Cummings came in, though, it's pretty much been high flying. But still, you know, I think that that speech you gave, he actually said to the squad, it's the best. I'm not going to repeat the words he said specifically, but he said it was the, my my interpretation of it was the best group of players he's, he's been around with. So hopefully that means that he'd be sticking around for the long term. Because again, he, he's a player that strikes me with immense quality up front. He's perfect for Dundee. He's got quality as you alluded to there, but he's also got a personality that's lacking in today's game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, he's, he's made that point as well. I think he's bang on. People cry out for not having enough characters and then when the character pops up, it's the media that are the first ones to just slam into them. Uh, no, I totally agree. I, I would probably go a step further and say there should be more more rules and maybe even laws made to protect players from the media. I, I don't particularly think it's fair that just because someone's an athlete or a physical performer that they should have to put up with a lot of the bollocks that the press can put, up, you know, put out there. I mean, because they, 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 they can, they can be ruthless at some points. Uh, and you never know what effect they can have on people. I mean, if you look at if you look at the way that the media dealt with some of the players in the old firm, was it not Alfredo Morelos ended up getting his his uh his brakes cut in his car? Yeah, that's 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 a that's an attempt with genuine malice. Yeah, that that potentially could have been could have been life threatening. And I'm not saying it's the media's fault per se, but the media definitely do try to you hype the bandwagon against against Morelos when it comes to you know constantly slagging him off or constantly put, giving him a bad name. They, they play their part. I think that's it's fair to say they've they've got some guilt in the matter. So yeah, no. When 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 Cummings made the argument, I completely agreed with him. I think the press shouldn't have as much uh, not authority, but you know not as much. Uh, power to defame people and power to, to hurt people the way they do. I think they should look to make genuine or write genuine stories of that's happening instead of trying to target and harass specific individuals. I'll give you a story that you're maybe not aware about. Uh, Dundee played Rafe Rollers. It was Jason Cummings' first game as a Dundee player. Uh, the game was at Starks Park, uh, Starks Park, of course. Got beat 3-1. Uh, yeah. yeah uh-huh. And... Uh, I asked Jason a question after the game with regards to resurrecting his career. It wasn't in any way, shape, or form to try and discriminate Jason Cummings or mm-hmm. um, have a go at Jason Cummings for his career that he's had. It was more or less just to ask if Dundee was was the was the, the perfect opportunity for Jason Cummings to re reinvigorate his his career, which which is very much done. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I know what you're trying to say. Just launch pad back in there because well, he went down. He went down south. I mean, yeah, he did get those goals against Liverpool, but that's pretty much the only highlight I'm aware of him from his Shrewsbury career. So I think it's, it's yeah. After after Rangers, he went off the grid a little bit. Comes back, comes back with a bang. Yeah, pro- probably a fair question. Did, did he take it? He didn't. Did he take to the question well, or was he a bit? I know he gave me a really good answer actually. Uh huh. All right, that's good then. So it wasn't if he took it the wrong way. No, that's yeah. definitely no, definitely a fair question because uh, he'll you'll know that himself though, because the only the only attention he was getting again, like I said, was was neg- negativity from the press. I, I can remember he was he smash a TV or something in his own flat, and yeah, uh... <laughs> they were calling him all sorts of names. So yeah, no, I mean you see it, you see it. I don't think, I mean, I reckon he probably could have got a move to the Premiership had clubs been trying to sniff around and, and take him. I think Dundee played the cards right. I think they went for it at the right time. Had there been more competition, it might have been a bit more harder to to get him in. But ultimately, I think this move for Cummings has been, it was definitely the right one. Because he's playing under a manager, he knows a manager that will look to get the best out of him. 
and it's a team with with high ambitions. I again, I don't speak for anyone. I've I got to watch what I say because you know I've got connections to the club, but yeah. I I get I something in this inside me. I just get this feeling that he generally could be committed for the long term. So, fingers crossed. Totally. With regards to next season, um, there's there's a, there's huge potential for Dundee, and it's all about getting the the jigsaws completed. But is it a huge chapter for Dundee now? Because long gone are the days of administration, long gone are the days of uh, being a what's the right word going in between relegations. Is this about Dundee's and stability in the Premiership now? Yeah, I, I get the feeling that it's definitely the the dawn of a new era. I said earlier about a bit of change to club DNA. I think, to me, in my eyes, Dundee have always been somewhat of a sleeping giant. And I think because McPake's so well embedded in the club, he's, he's recognised this and he's been doing various things to try and, well, wake the giant up with a stick, you know, so... I think, yeah, I think he goes he goes about the right way with the club. I think he sells the club very well. He highlights the, the club's ambitions very well to both the fans and the players. It's just clear cut. And he, yeah, like I said, I think he just he goes about everything the right way. So going into the league, if you can have stability and keep a very good group of players, a good core group of players with good ability, I mean, as long as you're consistent, anything can happen. And I think, like like I said earlier, like you're always going to get good teams that underachieve and underdogs that do well. So if, if you can find a rhythm of consistency, preferably with, you know, if you've got a good group of players, it's more, it's more probable it's, or it's more doable even. But if you can find just that, that form of consistency season by season with, you know, then anything's, anything's doable. When you look at St. Johnston, St. Johnston now would discuss the double. But prior, it was never really a team of, of superstars or anything. It was just this consistent top six side that kept the same group of players together, you know, that kept the rhythm going, that kept the heart the same pace of the heartbeat. Well, just consistently. So, yeah, that's got to be the key going forward. And I think they, def- they definitely see that themselves. So hopefully they pull it off. Because, I mean, you look at Livingston, as well, Livingston have, have managed to make the top six from what looked to be a, a purple patch. I think they could have afforded to lose more points prior to the split, and they still would have still would have made it in the in the top six just from that that winning run. So, if a purple patch can work wonders for your season, on the grand scheme of things, then a matter of just keeping consistency would do wonders. You know, the same or if not better. It, again, it just it just goes to show. I think the only thing really Dundee need to focus on is the is the weaknesses from from this season. Yes, we've finished second place and we've won the playoffs, but there's still there's still issues in the case of you know there's quality up front, but we're not very clinical. You know we're pretty wasteful with chances. We've been poor in the start of the season for conceding cheap goals. Now we've seemed to have cleared that cleared that out very well, but that's something you need to stay on top of. It's not something you can say, oh, it's gone now, then leave it be. And they'll know that. They're, they're professionals after all. So, yeah, staying on top of these these little issues and going to next season and trying, you'll just hit the ground running. Yeah, surely that's got to be the, the process of events. 